Welcome to the Disciples Dialogue, where believers celebrate their commonalities, share their testimonies, and edify the body of Christ. Each episode contains healthy conversations between Brother Jill and a guest speaker. Thanks for joining the Disciples Dialogue. Welcome back to the Disciples Dialogue. We have another episode for you today. Uh, it's my honor, my pleasure to bring to the table today uh, a friend of mine, another brother in the church. We got a lot of brothers in the church, Brother Joseph Cast. Welcome to the Disciples Dialogue. Oh, thank you. It's good to be here. Praise God. Today, I have asked Brother Cast to join me on the Disciples Dialogue to have a discussion about what some people would uh, probably think is an elementary topic. Um, and maybe on the surface it would seem so, uh, but the more that I think about this, the more uh, depth I find to it. And today's topic, and you probably saw it in the title, is God's plan for your life. God's plan for your life. And so uh, to start us out today, I, I want to just read a, a verse of scripture um, that I, I felt went right along with this thought. And then I'll kind of just throw it to you, Brother Cast, and, and we'll, we'll go from there. We'll have a discussion about it. Uh, Jeremiah 29 and 11, the Bible says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And so we see here from the Scripture the prophet Jeremiah uh, tends to show us that God has a plan for us. His plan is to, you know, thoughts of peace and not of evil, and he has an expected end for us. That sounds like a plan to me. And so I want to talk about God's plan for your life, for my life, and all the listeners here on the Disciples Dialogue. So I'll pass it to you and and just open us up in discussion. What do you think about this? Absolutely. So uh, I just want to go ahead and thank you for the opportunity to be here with you tonight. Um, thank you for the opportunity to speak on a topic such as this. And I know you say elementary, but uh, I believe anything can be powerful once you actually dive into the topic at yes. hand. Um, you know, thinking of the plan of God upon a person's life, it uh, there are many different ways you can take the thought of the plan. You know, we can get into plan of salvation. Mm. Um, so there are different like aspects of what I would say the God's plan for your life can be. Yes. Um, when people think of God's plan on their life, they can see it as the plan of salvation. You know, the Acts two thirty eight uh, message of repentance, baptism, mm-hmm. and receiving the Holy Ghost. Uh, but I believe it goes far far deeper than that. Mm-hmm. I believe that that is just a, a stepping stone. A entry way into the plan of salvation and uh, it takes me back to a time when I experienced that entryway that I call it into the plan of salvation and uh, I was about 10 11 12 years old and uh, I remember being in church for those who don't know I was raised in church I have always known this wonderful truth and been blessed to know the truth um But uh, I remember a day when my uh, youth pastor, Thomas Johnson, he come back and he grabbed a hold of me and he told me, he said, you know, God wants to do something in your heart today. Mm -hmm. And he 
pretty much had to uh, drag me to the front of the church. Um, but uh, when I got there, there was a presence of God so powerful that I hadn't felt prior to. And uh, you know, as a young person, um, it's hard to find anything genuine mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when I entered into that doorway, so to speak, I uh, experienced something I hadn't experienced before. I experienced the power of God. And uh, I remember my brother was on my right and my best friend was on my left. And uh, all of a sudden we started speaking in tongues and experiencing the plan of salvation together in fullness. Praise God. Prior to, I had been baptized and repented of my sins and was searching mm-hmm. um, vicariously for the Holy Ghost. Never um, had real true passion mm-hmm. for it until that point. But um, after that, um, I can remember in my life when I was about 12, 13 years old, I was at uh, my parents' house, and I remember just feeling like I needed to get separated from everyone for a little while and pray. Mm-hmm. And so I I went to a field that's back behind my parents' house, and uh, I began to pray and call out to God. And uh, I asked God to forgive me for some things that I was going through at the time, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember just as much as I can remember it right now, just as clear as day, I remember God speaking to me, I've got a call on your life to ministry. Mm. And, uh, you know, as a 13-year-old, I didn't think much of that. You know, everyone has a ministry or a purpose, mm-hmm. so to speak. Right. But I didn't put much thought into that at that time. It wasn't until I had a aunt that came to our house, and God had spoke to her, and she prophesied to me that I would be a preacher. Mm. and that I would be a leader in the future. And so, uh, and you know, plan of God and things of that nature, prophecy, mm-hmm. you know, even now I only take that with kind of a grain of salt. You know, ultimately I run it through the Word of God, yeah. and if the said prophecy is going to take hold of someone or something, it's got to run through this book first. Right. It's got to run through the Word of God first before it can be fulfilled. Um, now, I still believe that there is power in prophecy. I still believe mm-hmm. that the prophecy of old is still in today's world. Yes. Um, we just got to get in tune with that. Let me let me, let me me say something because that's very interesting that you bring that up. Um, the plan of God for our life, I believe that God has a plan for everybody's life. Absolutely. Uh, from... Even before we begin to exist, we I believe that we have existed with him in some form or fashion uh, in his heart and his thoughts. Um, that's a different topic for a different day. However, I do believe that God has a plan for our life, but you, you said something, you know, whether someone prophesies to you and says, here's what I feel for your life, you know, God laid this on my heart for you, or whether it's something that you feel internally true for yourself, uh, calling on your life. Uh, I think the key thing that you you said uh, is that it has to be filtered through the Word of God because God cannot lie. Yeah. Uh, he cannot contradict himself. And so if God were to speak through 
a prophet or a prophetess or speak to you personally or through the ministering of the word, through a pastor, a teacher, a friend, um, I believe that that has to be filtered through the word of God. Um, it, and I believe that, you know, in talking about the, you know, God's plan for your life, I believe that his plan is revealed to us part and partial, uh, here a little bit and there a little bit. I believe it's, it's given to us one piece at a time, uh, one, because we couldn't, we couldn't handle all of it at oh, once. Yeah. You know, if he was to real reveal to every, uh, to you everything that he wanted to do in your life, it would probably overwhelm you to the point to where you would run. Um, but he gives you enough to draw you in, and he and I think that he expects us to filter those times of uh, what we feel in our heart or what we hear from the Lord or what has been told to us through uh, the vessel of someone else. Um, but I really like what you said there that everything, even when you hear from this, you know, this prophecy over your life, well, praise God for that. You could take the, take the ball and just start running, you know, and, and you could run right into a wall, uh, and, and harm yourself or harm others if it's not filtered through the word of God. Um, if it's not filtered through prayer, through fasting and also obedience to, uh, our spiritual authority. Uh, I believe that's why God gives us pastors and leaders, uh, youth pastors, so on and so forth. And I know at this age you was talking about, you was younger. Um, of course, you had a, a youth pastor. And uh, we he, we have to be responsible enough with the voice of God in our life, whether it be it just to us personally or through someone else, that we run that through the filter uh, that is the word of God or through our spiritual authority. And so um, receiving a calling on your life doesn't mean anything if yes. it's, if it's not filtered. Right. Um, but continue on with that thought. That's, that's really good stuff. Yes, absolutely. So uh, you fast forward and you know, you see me today as the now Joseph cast, mm-hmm. um, but what is not so obvious and clear is the process or the, uh, the things that God himself had to uh, get me through and get me past mm. to get me to here today that you see. Right. Um, but uh, fast forward from the 13-year-old me um, to a 16-year-old me, and uh, in that duration of time, God had given me scriptures of con- confirmation of mm-hmm. my said you know calling mm-hmm. that had been prophesied and preached over me. I, I had... Uh, went to youth conferences where the ministers on stage they uh they come down and went came directly to me and they told me that God had a specific plan a specific purpose on my life and that uh I needed to answer the call to ministry and uh this was at a conference a four or five day conference and every night a different minister came to me and said the same thing mm. of the same topic and um however i do want to say that um ever since i had been called i was one that uh ran mm. from it um i uh felt like i wasn't worthy enough i felt like i wasn't um paul you mm. know i wasn't peter mm. you know how can i measure up to people of god that I had looked up to my whole life when inside of my heart and my mind I was trapped and felt as if 
I could never become someone like that because I was too far gone. I was too far deep into the things that I was into. Mm. Um, so I, instead of embracing it and searching for it, and as you said, praying for it and things of that nature, in turn, I uh, began to run from it mm. until the age of 17, 18, when I uh, became on fire for God. And it was at that time when uh, I met my now wife, Brianna Cast, that uh, we began to date and fast forward a little bit, about two years, and I began to open to her about my calling to ministry. Mm-hmm. And uh, this may, you know, blow some people's minds how God does these kinds of things, but uh, she began to open to me about years ago when she was younger, how that it was prophesied to her that she would be marrying a person in ministry. Wow. A person who would preach to and lead to people. So we see the plan on your right. life, God's plan for your life coming to fruition. Um, yes. It's starting to piece together where it's now, uh, you know, maybe separate pieces of this puzzle could not, you know, uh, you, maybe you could look at pieces of this and not understand what it is. But now that these pieces are coming together, we're starting to get a picture of, of what God has planned for your life this whole time. Yes, that's, that's incredible. Let, let me ask you, so do you feel confident now um, having got the confirmation of, of these prophecies um, and the calling on your, in your heart to minister the Word of God? Do you feel like you know what God's plan for your life is currently right now? Do you feel like you're fulfilling the calling on your life right now? Yes, yeah, so that alludes to uh, what I want to talk about, um, the different the different uh, aspects of what we call God's plan on your life. Um, there are different views that can be taken on what the wording of plan can take mm-hmm. as far as the wordage of it mm-hmm. because you can view it as God's plan of salvation to all those that he loves, which is the whole world. Mm-hmm. So you got God's plan of salvation, right? Well, then you also have the plan for individual lives. Mm-hmm. You have personal plans. Right. But then you also have bodily plans, like church plants, and you have church buildings, and mm-hmm. you know you have organizational plans and that nature. So, But to allude to your question of... Um, God's plan on my life and the confirmation, um, it all uh, was confirmed to me personally whenever I 100% accepted it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had all the voices telling me outwardly that I was called to do this, even God telling me I was called to do this by reading his word, being confirmed in his word, and then these preachers and these other individuals telling me just answer the call. Mm-hmm. However, I never answered the call until I was called to uh, act, so to speak. Okay. And so when if I was called to act, I had to take inventory and say, are you ready okay. to answer this calling or this plan, this purpose that God has called you to? Mm. And so I began to dive deep into prayer when I was about 19, 18, 19. And uh, one day I was in prayer, and uh, all of a sudden I— I began to feel a powerful 
presence of God move into the room that I was in. And all of a sudden, it was like God was speaking to me, you've been running all this time, Jonah. However, the plan, the calling is still there. It's not gone anywhere. You haven't, you know, tainted the calling on your life. You haven't Mm -hmm. tainted these things with what you think is too much. He said, I've nailed it all on the cross Mm -hmm. to cover that. Praise God. Um, So do I feel like I'm fulfilling my calling? And... You know, I, I would respond to that as 99%. Okay. Because, see, my my opinion on that is that, you know, if we get to the place, the point where we believe we made it, mm-hmm. where we fulfilled to the fullest intent of the calling, right. of the plan mm-hmm. that's been put before us personally, mm-hmm. in that personal plan, that uh, I believe if you mentally think that you've made it, you're far from it. It's dangerous. Right. It's dangerous territory to believe, to leave no room for improvement. Absolutely, yes. So 100% would say I have nowhere to go from here. Um, so to always leave room uh, is, is wise. Um, I want to to touch on what you said. You, you mentioned uh, Jonah. We understand through the scriptures that there was a city who God desired to reach. And while he could have sent angelic beings, um, stepped down in some form to do it himself, he chose a man. Right. Um, God chooses the foolishness of preaching, the Bible says, to reach the lost and to minister the word. Um, he spoke into the hearts of men, um, in the days of old, and they began to write under the unction of the Holy Ghost, and thus how we have the scriptures now. Even in the New Testament, uh, people like Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, um, was at the uh, under the guidance of the Holy the Holy Ghost in his life, um, and he was able to write these scriptures. And so, even today, when we talk about ministry, when we talk about preaching and ministering, a um, couple things that I want to talk about. One. And I'll get back to Jonah here in a second. But one, uh, let's just lay the the foundation here for the word ministry. Because a lot of young people, especially, uh, who feel this call on their life to minister, they they think that that means microphone in hand, yeah. uh, yelling, screaming at people, and that's, that's ministering. Um, that's not ministry. Uh, in the Bible, if we go and look to the Word of God uh, for the true definition of ministry, it is servanthood. Right. Um, so the Bible talks about those who would go and minister to another, and that lit- literally means that they went and served another. Um, Jesus was servant of all. Um, you know, He was the ultimate servant. He gave his life so that we could have life and that much more abundantly. Um, so when we say ministry, when we say, you know, Brother Joseph Cass was called into the ministry. Well, you was called into servanthood. Right. You, you, it wasn't that you was called into the Kiwanis Club uh, or to yes. do some great thing to have your uh, name plastered on a billboard somewhere or you know you in a spotlight somewhere. That We both understand, and hopefully all the listeners understand as we talk about this, we're not talking about uh, the guy with the microphone. Right. Men, true Absolutely. ministry happens outside of what we do 
here on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night when we have a microphone in their hand, we're teaching and preaching. That's necessary. That's yes. biblical. However, true ministry, uh, the, the foundation of the word ministry is, is far deeper than, than that. Um, and so it's about being a servant to those whom God is trying to reach. And, and in doing so, when you're obedient to that call in your life and you become a servant to others, uh, Paul said, you know, that he, he said that he was a prisoner of, of yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, that doesn't mean that he was bound. It means that he was, he had given his life over to the ministry of the word. Um, and so everything that he was going to do after he received his calling and he was changed on the Damascus road was to, it was selflessness. It was, Hey, I'm, I'm going to get myself, my desires out of the way so that I can go and do what God's called me to do. And that's to reach people. So, I want to make sure we lay that foundation of what ministry we're talking about. But you talk about Jonah. Jonah had this call on his life. He said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and, and reach this people. And, you know, this great city, big Nineveh was huge. It was a great big city. Many, many people, uh, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand people to, to reach. And Jonah ran, right. right? So just because it's God's plan for your life, doesn't mean that he's going to force your hand or he's going to force you into uh, this servanthood. True servanthood is not I have to, it's I get to and I will. And so Jonah begun, uh, began to run from this calling on his life, and, and you uh, alluded to that, that you began to run uh, from this calling on your life as well. But thank God for his mercy and yes. his patience with us to – you know, we see it evident in Jonah's life and even our lives. Uh, I can speak for sure about my own life, uh, and we see it in Jonah's life that just, you know, he began to run. He did everything that he could do to get out of this calling. I don't want to do it. You know, I'd rather go down down here, and I want to my own business. But God will go to great lengths, and he will move what he needs to move in order to get his will done, in order for the plan to come to pass. And so I'm sure that you can relate to in your running um, there being a moment, a time where you have to break away from that. You have to get freed from that, that mindset. If you want to talk about that. Yeah. So, you know, I can definitely um, concur with Jonah's, testimony of you know running from the plan of God on his life and the calling that was put out for him personally um and you know for me and Jonah it may have not necessarily been just the thought of um God being able to do it you know Mm. because the thing that we see in the scripture of Jonah is Jonah knew God would oh yes yes he Jonah realized that he could do it for the people of Nineveh. Right. The thing was he didn't want to be a part of it because he did not like the people of Nineveh. Right. Um, however, I think that we fail to realize that the point of ministry is not for the person doing the ministry. Right. Um, like you said, servanthood. Um, and it's it's all, you know, I taught a message not too long ago, and I, we were talking about uh, – the washing of the feet, why it was so important. And, you know, servanthood is the humbling experience of I know that um, God has called me 
and God has a plan for me. However, if I get this big head about me that I'm higher than others, that mm-hmm. I'm, I've got this thing attached to my name right. that says I'm somebody. However, if the name of Jesus is applied to all those who follow him, you're on the same bar as everybody else. Yeah. Um, and what's incredible and powerful about the washing of the feet is that Jesus did not care where they were from. Right. You know, so when we go minister, when we outreach, um, you can have conversations with the drug addicts, but mm. if you never have that conversation, if you never go to Nineveh, mm. then Nineveh will never experience the revival that God has for them, and we fail to be the servants of God. So rather than becoming a minister, you become a Pharisee. Right, yes. Right? There's a lot of people, I feel like, who want to be called by God, maybe are even called by God to minister, to be in ministry and to do great things for his kingdom. But through the process of deception and the devil working in their lives and through the process of pride, and, and when you when you take hold of pride in your life and you let that grow inside of you and there's not a spirit of humility, then that pride will take you from a calling of ministry, which is servanthood, to a spirit of a Pharisee, which says, I'm above reaching this particular brand of people because they they don't meet the quota of, of people that I'm called to reach. Right. They don't have the money, and I don't want to go into the projects. I want to go you know, to this nice little community over here and reach this uh, level yeah. of people. And so, But you become a religious zealot, and you think, not you, but people right. uh, yes. would think that they are doing the will of God. And they're fulfilling their calling, the plan of uh, that God has for their life. They think, I'm fulfilling that calling on my life. But in all actuality, if it's not done with the right spirit, a spirit of humility, a spirit of servanthood, willing to wash the feet of someone oh, else, uh, if, if we don't keep check on those things and we let pride creep in, then our calling could, be, could become tainted. Oh, yeah. uh, and, and, and that's a dangerous place to be, to think that you're okay, but you're not. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And if I can just add a little more to that thought. Sure. Um, you know, our youth students have been at uh, camp all this week, mm-hmm. and uh, I had the great opportunity of being with them for three of the five services. Uh, but hearing of reports of them being the trendsetters, you know, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's all, it's awesome that the whole youth abroad mm-hmm. and the whole church, you know, God's church, was there worshiping and being, you know, passionate in their praise. But it was wonderful to hear about, you know, our fingerprints, mm-hmm. so to speak, our young women and young men who mm-hmm. are being passionate in prayer. I heard um, reports of our youth were praying for other youths to receive the Holy Ghost. And because of, you know, you may say curriculum or you may say this or that, but because of what has been taught to them mm-hmm. through the servanthood, and, and I'm not saying I'm anything or my wife, Sister Bree, or, or anything. However, if we fail to give them the tools, and if we fail to equip them with the right things in life, mm. then they'll just be on the altar every week for the same problem. Mm. And so... When I was there yesterday, um, last night, we had a tremendous, I mean, 
outpouring of the Spirit. I, I had uh, never been a part of a service so powerful as it was last night. Wow. Um, had hordes of young people running around, and uh, Brother Till, I kid you not, when I'm standing in the front at the altar, I get done praying for someone. I stand, and I see this horde of young people running around in the same motion, the same direction of unity. Mm. And as I'm standing there, there's just, and it's it's hot. Yeah. <laughs> Temperaturally, it's hot in the room. But as they go around, there's gusts of wind that brush by. Mm. And as I feel that, I feel a movement mm. that's coming to this world. However, if we don't take care of that movement, if we don't equip them, if they, they, if they can't, um, like we're preaching currently, if they can't, articulate this the right way this movement this air breathing power that they may have is just going to lead people astray and like you're saying of the pharisee Mm. uh, let it not be said of our youth of today Mm -hmm. that they just looked on by somebody that they just let them stay in the wayside and didn't put down a hand to lift them up right because last night um one of our young students she called me over this was well after altar call had happened and taken place. And uh, I walk over to her and another student that's a part of another youth group. And this other student is bawling her eyes out, and she's weeping. And uh, I walk over there and I ask her, I said, "What you know, what's wrong? And she began to open up to me, and she told me that she's been struggling with something. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, um, what are you struggling with? And she opened to me, up to me about these dreams that she had been having for a couple of years where in her dreams she would see particular people and just before the moment of their death she would see their pain and their anguish mm-hmm. and then she would be able to in the dream witness their pain and feel their pain as they fall into hell mm-hmm. and you know as I'm sitting there I'm just like you know this is incredible this is an insane that this young person is feeling these thoughts and having these dreams however i began to talk to her and i said it very well may be that god is showing you these dreams because her mind she was telling me that she felt guilty Mm -hmm. that she didn't reach out to them and tell them before they perished because in real life she was seeing them perish the people she saw in her dreams wow and so I began to talk to her, and I said, God may be very well telling you and showing you these dreams to show you how he feels because of the God plan of salvation that we alluded to earlier. I believe that every person on earth at one time or another has been preached to or will be preached to the plan of salvation that one at one time or another they've all had the chance. And if they reject the chance— Imagine the feeling that God feels right. of the plan that he has, this miraculous, powerful plan, mm-hmm. and they reject it. They're Jonah's who never come back mm-hmm. to Nineveh. They just kept going out to sea. And I told this young person that maybe that's what God is calling her to do, that her purpose, her ministry could be reaching to those people, right? but that not to feel the guilt of them letting it go, but that just to hold on to the feeling that God is letting her feel right now, that 
she's feeling the pain that God feels right. on a daily basis mm. when people reject this gospel and people reject the plan of salvation, the the plan that God has for them personally and the plan that God has for them to be a part of a church body. Mm. Because I think that there are different elements of the God's plan for a person's life. Yes. Like we said earlier, that the you have the plan of salvation and you have the personal plan, your personal calling, but then you have the place that you have in the body. Mm. Um, right. And so last night I hope that I could have been a, a help to her and maybe what God is calling her to do and yeah. plan for her in the future. I think that there should be a not a sense of guilt. Uh, maybe that's she confused that feeling with guilt, but there should be a sense of responsibility. Yes, absolutely. I, um, I have... And many people have felt a similar way, maybe not exactly like she feels, but I, I have felt a, a sense of responsibility for people that I've met, taught Bible studies to, loved them, showed love towards them, uh, wrapped my arm around them, tried to do everything that I could for them, but then they run, and, and I thank God this is not your plan. It's you know the Bible says, uh, God said I would that none should perish. Right. Uh, that he does his plan is that no one perish he wants everyone to come into repentance and to live for him and so i say god this is not your plan for them to run why are they running and so i could say well i feel guilty maybe i didn't do a good enough job maybe i didn't minister well enough and so i could let that guilt eat me up and then cause me to quit and just say well yeah. maybe i'm not an effective minister and so therefore i should go find another job well, it's not a job, first of all, but right. uh, if if you take those feelings and use that as fuel to feed a, a sense of urgency, responsibility, that I'm not going to stop loving these people, even if they're running away from us, yes. even if they're running away from the church, running away from God, uh, we love people to the cross. Right. And you continue to love them, continue to, to show them that, look, God has a plan for your life, and it's not too late. Um, yes. And we can find that all throughout the scripture um, that that God is God is patient. Yes, God is is willing to redeem all the time that we spend running away from Him. Second Peter two and nine says, "The Lord is not slack concerning His promise." Mm-hmm. Right, His His plan, His promise. As some men count slackness, but is long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come into repentance. Yes. And so we see this is the plan of God. He's he's long suffering. He's willing to wait. Of course he would like us to come to him today, but many of us are going to run. Many of us are going to we're going to get it wrong. We're going to be called into the ministry, but then we're going to have a little bit of pride come in and we've got to squash that. We've got to pray that out of us and say, "God, give me a spirit of humility." God, help me to not run from you, but help me to run towards you. Right. Help me that when I fall, I fall into the arms of God. Not fall out of the church, so there's nothing wrong with falling. People are going to fall. Everybody's going to fall. Anybody right. who says, any listener of this podcast, this episode, who says, uh, you know, I just, I, I don't fall. Well, then you're, all, you. you've already fallen farther than what you realize, right? Um, and so, when we fall, though, let us not fall out of the church. Let us not fall away yes. from God. Let us fall towards Him, into Him. Um, because he's able to pick us up and to redeem us and to, to bring us back into perfect relationship with him. So 
and and we've just got a few more moments here, uh, but I did want to talk about this. A couple of things you've you've probably heard the saying: those who plan or those who fail to plan plan to fail. fail. Yes, right. So if God has a plan for us, and He does, He has a plan for your life. We've talked about that. We too should have a plan: a plan for success, a plan to to stay rooted and grounded in the church, a plan uh, because if you fail to plan, then you are sure to fail. We must be a people who are responsible enough with our calling and our ministry to where we say, you know what, this is not going to happen by accident. I need a plan in place. I need an accountability partner. I need somebody I can call up and say, look, man, I messed up. Uh, Can you pray with me? Pray for me. Help me. How do I get over this? Um, And so if God, in all of his infinite wisdom, uh, saw fit to have a plan, then we should have a plan. We should not. I don't think that we should just go about our Christian walk with God haphazardly and say, "Well, you know, if it if it works out, it works out, and yes, if not, it, you know, I believe, and therefore it's it's good enough." Well, that's a person who does not have a plan, right? Right? Yeah. A, a telltale sign of someone who do who does not have a plan is somebody who relies on their belief alone. Well, I believe in God, therefore I'm saved. Well, you don't have a plan. Because right. what happens if you fall and you backslide and you and you will? So what happens then? Because there, the word of God, we talked about it earlier. It can it cannot return void into itself. It cannot contradict itself. And so God says that there is a difference. Believing is not enough. It's the first step, but it's not enough. And so, I guess let me ask you this, and, and we'll kind of we'll close with this. I guess. Have you ever had your plans ruined? Ever planned for something and and it just didn't work out? Oh yes, absolutely. Happens uh, all the time, right? Oh yes. So let me ask you this question: If our plans can become ruined, mm-hmm. and we're made in the image of God, can His plan be ruined? What What's your thoughts on that? Can God's plan plans for our lives yeah. be ruined? So, the question to me kind of holds the answer. Because just a moment ago, you alluded to the, well, I'll put it this way. When God saw the fall of man and the plan of God was in the beginning, right? Mm. When he knew when they fell, I'm going to have to die. Mm -hmm. And so when God himself came down, put on flesh, and started the plan, and he didn't do it alone, I feel as though... That's an example to us that, you know, Jesus Christ could have come by himself. He could have ministered by himself. Mm-hmm. He had all power to do that. However, next example to us that through life we can't go through life on our own. We, we're no island. We're no right. person off in the far right corner that's trying to do something on our own. If, if we think that, if, if we try to do the, those things, um, I think that you're walking down a road that you— are not in the particular plan that you think you're supposed to be in. Mm. But um, if God's plans can be tarnished and ruined, um, I think not, mm-hmm. personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I say that is that God never changes. Right, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if God has a purpose, a plan for an individual's life, his plans for that mm-hmm. did not change. Right, But it's all based upon our responses to those things and those plans mm-hmm. on our life. 
just like the plan of salvation has never changed from the foundation of Pentecost. Mm-hmm. Neither do I believe that the plans he has for us ever changed. There's nothing like we talked about earlier. There's no sin that you can do that'll take you far enough away that God can't bring you back if you turn. Right. Because in the Old Testament, we read in Isaiah where there's only two requirements to completely change direction, and it's to turn and to live. Mm. But encapsulated in those two statements are things, and it's interesting that the Old Testament prophet chose those wordings of turn and live because when we experience repentance, we're turning about face. Yes. And then when we live, we have to experience life. Mm. And who has life? Yeah. We come out of the water with new life. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't think there's anything a Christian can do to change the plan of God. Um, However, if we don't operate in that plan, and if we're not seeking in the Holy Ghost on a daily basis, asking God, am I in the perfect will? Mm. Because that that operates coincides with each other, the plan of God and the purpose yeah. and the perfect will. Those All of those attributes are linked together. You can't have one, one without the other. Mm. If you're not in the perfect will, you're not in the plan. Mm. Just like a blueprint for a building. If God's trying to build something through you and your life, if you don't go by that plan, by those dimensions exactly, if you don't have that foundation that's laid out exactly, everything built after that is not going to last. Right. So if you're not a part of the solution, you're a part of the problem. Exactly. So I want to be a part of the plan. Yes. I am a part of the plan. I am a fulfillment of his plan if I choose to be. God's not wringing his hands up in heaven wondering, oh, no, Brother Cast or Brother Teal, they're not doing what I He's what I planned for them, and so my I, my plans have been ruined, and so what now? God does not do that. No. God has a plan for your life, and if I could encourage the listeners today, God has a plan for your life. The question is, the Bible says many are called, few are chosen. Many are called but only few are chosen. I wonder how many of the listeners of this episode have been called into servanthood, into the ministry, but are not chosen and won't be chosen because of some of these key elements, pride, deception, arrogance, things that keep us from truly being a servant. But you can change that. And you can be called. You just have turn to line live. up, turn, and live. Amen. Yes. That's, a, that's a great way to end that, turn and live. The cast, thank you so much for joining me today on the Disciples Dialogue. This has been a great discussion. I could sit here and talk about this all day long, but the listeners, I'm sure, uh, want to move on to Biblos or something like that. So <laughs> we will let them do that. Thank you so much for joining me today, though. This has been an absolute privilege. Thank you. Amen. To all the listeners, um, please check out the disciplesdialogue.com. We have merch. We have stuff going on there. Um, we have some exciting uh, guests coming up in the near future. We're going to be reaching out into other states, other uh, ministers, and we've got great things in store. So keep keep an eye out for um, biweekly episodes to be posted and 
we just love our time with you. Thankful that you're here with us and that you're a part of the Disciples Dialogue. Until next time, we do pray that you are blessed and that God would keep you and bring you back at the appointed time. Have a great week. In Jesus' name.